0: So, uh, we're going to do a recap this morning of the book of Philippians, so if you want to turn there, uh, it'd be good. Uh, we're going to kind of be flipping around the whole, through the whole book uh, today, and uh, thankful for our study on that. Uh, for those of you who are nosy, you know who you are, uh, we're going to be going to 1 Peter next week, and so uh, we're going to be starting in that book and probably following that up with 2 Peter. Right after that, so uh, grateful. Um, let me pray for us and just ask God's blessing on our time this morning. God, thank you for Your Word. Um, God, we're lost without it. Um, God, we uh, we need Your Word. Uh, we're weak people. Um, we are lost without Your gospel, and so um, we're just grateful. We we pour our hearts to You now, and Lord, we ask that in an overview sort of way, and as we recap what we've already learned, that you would remind us through your Spirit what your Word says, that it might instruct today for us, that we might know what to do uh, in this life and what to hope for as we look for the days ahead. God, we're grateful in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, So much of uh, the book of Philippians is talking about the surpassing worth of Jesus. And how we find joy in that. And I was thinking about just, uh, th- this is not common knowledge type stuff. This isn't stuff that you can find the same type of wisdom uh, on Amazon.com or going into a bookstore like Barnes Noble. Uh, you-, you go to a section on wisdom, it's not going to have what we've been looking at in God's Word. In fact... Um, much of it is totally contrary to what we've been looking at in God's Word. And so this morning, just remind yourself of that. The world says, uh, if, you, uh, if you're not happy with today, get something to fix it. Get something to fix it. Um, pumpkin spice latte, that might work well, you know. Uh, If you need something stronger, maybe a monster. Um, Maybe uh, if your day's not going well, maybe you just need to go buy something. Or maybe you need to go to Vegas or Cabo San Lucas or uh, go to some place where the lights are flashing and you don't have to think about the emptiness of your life. And somehow that will bring this temporary happiness joy uh, that will get you through the day. And I just want to tell you this morning, I just want to remind you that God's got something better for you. Um, His son, Jesus, went to the cross so that you would not be dependent upon uh, people's likes on Facebook and uh, the the next uh, toy that you get, the next uh, vacation that you go on. You won't be dependent on people's approval, but that you will be filled with the new life that Uh, He's given it. And it won't be based on the stuff that you used to base it on. You know, I got 100% on the test. Life is good. Um, It may be that you failed the test and life is still good because of Jesus. And so, as we look at God's word this morning, I just want to remind you that this is something different. Uh, This is something very different. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul says this. And just stay with me this morning. I'm, I'm just keep, keep running and run with me. If you're a little slow, don't worry about it. I got them all on one sheet here. Uh, Philippians 3 8 says this Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The surpassing worth. And uh, as an accountant would say, it's worth it. I did the numbers, I did the math. I looked at the value of what we were doing, and I realized that knowing Christ, knowing Jesus, having a relationship with Him was surpassing worth. It was worth everything. It was better than anything that I could find. Um, And this stands really at the heart of the message of the book of Philippians. This morning, I want to bring you four themes, and there are others, but uh, I want to bring you four themes from the book of Philippians that will be helpful in recapping and helping us to sort through all that God's taught us in our study of the book of Philippians. The first one is that Jesus brings joy in the journey, in the journey and the destination as well, okay, but in the journey. What I mean by that is this, that some of us, we go, I was talking to someone uh, this week about taking road trips and I don't know why I can't get over this, but, uh, when, I, when we've gone on a road trip as a family, um, like, I don't know why this is, but like, I, am I'm, I'm really, I want to get to the destination. I want to get to the destination. And so, you know, we get rolling on the road, we get all packed up and then it's like, Whoa, you know, like it's a race you know, driving through, you know, um, and, and it's just this goal to get to the destination. And a road trip, that's not the reason for the road trip. I mean, you want to go to a certain place, but the idea is to enjoy what's going on along the moments in between. And I, I want to tell you that as we look at the book of Philippians, we will see, you see, and you'll see it over and over again, uh, joy, joy, not when we get there. But joy today, Paul has joy today uh, in the midst of uh, whatever's going on. In Philippians chapter 1, you see uh, Paul has joy in the thoughts of others or the thoughts of the church. Uh, He says this in verse 3, he says, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making uh, for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And of, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you uh, will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus and it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in my defense and confirmation of the gospel for God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul, as he thought of this church, he, his heart burst forth because he loved them so much. And it granted him great joy as he thought of what God had done in their life and how they had partnered with him. And I think about that and I think, well, you know, where are we supposed to find joy? Right here, right here. Not in the pews. Not not in the, the piano or the the lobby or, you know, fellowship hall, snacks. Uh, where, where we're to find joy is in one another. As we see God's work and partnership and as we see our teachers teaching Sunday school and uh, youth workers going off to uh, wrestle the kids in room A, uh, We our, our hearts should be filled with joy because of them, because of them and because we see this partnership of eternal things. Um, As he thinks about others, Paul's not with them, but he he thinks of them and he thinks of them doing the work and God's work in them thrills his heart. Skipping down in chapter one, verse eighteen, he we see joy in sharing the sharing of the gospel. He says, uh, "Is a tough passage because uh, it's talking about people who don't like Paul and are." Glad he's imprisoned, and uh some are you know envious and jealous, and others really like paul and um, he says, "What then sorry uh that was an exclamation point uh what then only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice and that I rejoice that as he sees the gospel of Jesus Christ being proclaimed because that's good stuff, and that thrills my heart. I may be imprisoned. I may be sick. I may not have money. I may not uh, feel like there's a lot of people around me. I may not feel a lot of things, but I'm joyful because the, the good news of Jesus is going forth. I, that, that's what thrills my heart. That's what thrills my heart. Skipping down to verse 21. Uh, Paul finds joy in the eternity, in eternity with Christ. Verse 21, it says, um, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Live as Christ is to die is gain. It it excites him, the idea of of being with Christ and and being with him forever in eternity. It was a thrill to him as a joy. And I want to encourage you today to dwell on that, especially if today's not that great especially if your body doesn't feel well today and maybe some relationships, you can't really sort them out and you can't get them straight. Maybe if you feel wanting today, like there's things missing in your life, to remember and to dwell upon your relationship with Christ and that you're going to be with him in his presence forever. It was a joy to Paul. You look uh, the next chapter, chapter two, verse seventeen, and really the, the chapter two talks a lot about this idea of sacrificial service. Now, sacrificial service um, is the work of a slave. Uh, if I if I said, um, "Hey, uh, we got, we got some things to do here at Bear Valley Church. We want some volunteers. I need some slaves." You're like, "Ooh, uh, study history." I, I I like to be a boss, I like to be an entrepreneur, I like to be a consultant, that's the favorite job, by the way, right, is coming, I think you should do this, that, and the other thing, you know, Uh, slaves, not so much, slaves, sacrificial service, and this idea is that that's kind of that upside down thing, right, the world says, uh, no, you should have slaves, you shouldn't be one, Uh, You should have people serving you and sacrificing for you. You shouldn't do that for them. Paul says the complete opposite. In fact, uh, chapter 2 spends a lot of time. And then Paul says uh, in verse 17, Excuse me. Uh, Verse 17, he says, even if I am uh, to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. He gives this graphic picture of his life poured out and wasted for their faith and really calling upon them to do the same for others. And he says, what? That's the joy. That's the good stuff. To be a slave for Christ and to have your life poured out in service to Him, that's the joy. That's where you'll find joy. You see, most of us think, well, saving our life, right? To be able to do what we want to do and figure out our own agenda and be able to do and whatever we want to do. That would be best. And I want to tell you, Paul says, no. He says what's the best is sacrificial service for Jesus. Moving over to chapter 4, we find that Paul finds joy in a faithful church. Chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus, my beloved. That last chapter, we'll get back to this, but this idea of standing firm that the church is meant and that thrills the heart of the one who went and shared the gospel with them. And he finds joy in a faithful church. And I want to tell you that as we fulfill God's role for us here, it will be an encouragement to others. And for us to see other churches and other people uh, enjoy because of their faithful service to him. And then lastly, i just say this in chapter 4, skipping down to verse 4. Paul finds joy in the Lord himself. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, rejoice. Skipping down to verse 10, he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Um, really, the as I shared with the idea of the surpassing worth of Christ, even if you can't picture anything else, even if you can't see beyond anything, the mere fact that you have relationship with Christ, that you know Him, that He is your Lord, that you can rejoice in Him and Him alone. And that's where you can find joy in the journey. It doesn't matter what's going on today if you're driving through needles on the journey. Uh, you broke down in Barstow. Um, uh, the idea that, that somehow, somehow God has these days for you today, and that you can have joy right here, right now, uh, knowing uh, that, that God's got you here today and he's given you joy. He's given you things you can rejoice in as you head toward the destination of being with him forever. Jesus brings joy in the journey and the destination. Number two, number two, Jesus brings partnership and unity. Partnership and unity. Um, we already looked at it, but verse 5 um, uh, he says, because of your partnership in the gospel. I, I want to tell you that being a part of Christ's mission, what what he's doing, being a part of his plan, isn't just you. Isn't just you. It's the idea that he's bringing partners around you and that he wants you to partner with other people, Um. Some of us have this attitude where we say, I I work better alone. Uh, We may be saying this, I'm a spoiled brat and no one works as good as me and I don't like people. Okay. I want to tell you, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. Read over the book of Philippians and see how many times he's talking about partnership and sharing and unity and uh, coming together. And there's this this thing that he says, together. This is how we do this, this job, together. Uh, many hands make light work. It's not just that it makes the work lighter, but it's the idea of the encouragement of working together. It's got this picture of a family working together. Um." So I said in verse 5, you, say, you hear it in the gospel. Because of your partnership with the gospel, um, you move on in chapter um, chapter 1. I better make sure I get this right here. Yeah. Uh, chapter 1, verse 27 says this. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you uh, or am absent... Uh, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit and with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened by anything of your opponents. You get the picture? Side by side. You're working together side by side. Hey, can you hand me that? Yeah, we're working together. We're working together. Can you get that? Yeah, yeah, I can get that. I'll help you with that. This This is the way, the picture of what the work of the church is. It's not, I have my own idea, I'm going my own way, I'm doing my own thing. It's a picture that Jesus brings us together for partnership and unity and standing firm. In chapter 2, uh, he really gives us this picture of unity and partnership in others' first service. Okay, He says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and with one mind. And then he uh, attacks, attacks the problem, uh, the thing that destroys unity, destroys partnership. Verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Uh, they're very, very difficult, right? To be unified, to par- uh, partner with one another when you think you're better than them. It's very difficult. When, when you're driven by selfishness and pride, it's very difficult to have unity. Because who wants to be with someone who's only concerned about themselves? Who wants to work with a selfish partner? And that's not the picture, and you even go on in that passage, and Christ himself is uh, lifted up as both the one who grants us the opportunity, but also as the model of that. So he, he calls us to partnership and unity in others' first service. And then uh, last chapter, chapter 4, we see in verse 15 that they also found partnership and giving. Partnership and giving. And you Philippians yourselves know that at the beginning of the gospel, I left Macedonia. No church entered into the partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. What a great thing that this church who was once given to, uh, people gave so that Paul could go and he, Paul sacrificed to share the gospel with him, now was supporting Paul as he was and they partnered with him. They saw the needs of people around them. They saw the need of the gospel mission. And they said, I'll be in on that. I'd love to partner with that. I can't give it all. Oh, but as we partner together, uh, we can bring the bag of money uh, that was sent to Paul through Epaphroditus. So we see uh, them partner in the blessing of giving. So we, uh, as we look at God's Word, we see that Jesus brings joy in the journey Jesus brings partner and unity uh, to us. And now Jesus, thirdly, uh, Jesus brings purpose to our pain. You know, um, this is super hard because most of the time we talk about the great things that happen to us and how this is the blessing. Uh, You know, this great thing happened to me and this is the blessing. And you look at Paul as he recounts to the church at Philippi the things that are going on in his life and the challenge that him, and he says ah, that Christ, Jesus, has brought purpose to his pain." In verse 12, in verse 12, he says, um, "I want you to know, brothers, uh, that what is uh, chapter one, verse 12, sorry. Uh, I want you to know, brothers." that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. It advanced the gospel. It didn't uh, take away. And you say, well, how could that advance the gospel when he was imprisoned, when his freedom was taken away? Uh, You think about uh, the advancement of the gospel, that he was able to go, 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 go. And he says, no, I wasn't able to go. I was stuck. But he even saw that as his connection, uh, we saw last week Caesar's household. We know that he was connected with guards. We know that others uh, who heard the gospel from him through the guards and others, they bounced around and, and the gospel was good. But but also there were others who uh, were saw Paul in prison. They said, well, Paul's down. I'm up. I'm up. I'm, I'm up for sharing because of what Paul has done. If Paul says thinks it's worth it, I do too. And they were emboldened by that. You see that uh, he sees that it was somehow part of the plan of God. Uh, His pain was in the plan of God. If you skip down to verse 18, he says this What then, uh, only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed? And in that I rejoice not our rejoice. He, he goes through and he says, oh, it's kind of a mess. You know, I, it's not what I wanted or whatever, but know this, that the gospels proclaim that that's what I rejoice in, the plan of God. And I want to tell you, it's important for us to embrace the plan of God, the present reality, the present reality right now, what's going on. Um, I hope that in some ways that you wish things were different in your life. Maybe some weaknesses, maybe some things that you could do better, relationships. But to realize, to embrace the day, to say, this is somehow part of the plan of God, what I got going here today. And so I can rejoice knowing that what's going on in my life right now is part of the plan of God. It brings purpose to our pain Purpose to his pain even in life or even in death. Um, Verse 20 in chapter 1. I know we're talking a lot here. We're moving pretty fast. Um, It's hard to preach the whole book of Philippians in one morning. Um, Verse 20 says this. uh, Yeah. uh, Verse 20, it says... As is my eager expectation and hope, that I will not be ashamed, but that with full cor- courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. I, w- I want to tell you that that the pain of this life there'll be purpose in it, even in death, even in death. And Paul said, "Yes, both. Yes, both." That. That God will receive what He wants to receive and do what He wants to do in my death, but also in the days leading up to my death. And it's not just if I continue on, uh, even in my death. You, You look down at verse 29, you see this again, and He says, uh, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ that you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw uh, I had and now hear that I still have, even in suffering. Be not confused, uh, believer, that part of God's plan for you, the path that he has for you, uh, may be suffering, it may be pain, but there 's purpose in that knowing that uh, knowing that he is somehow working his good in that um, super important for us to remember as we look at uh, skipping down to um, chapter three, move over to chapter three and we 'll look at verse seven and we 'll see this purpose and pain. In verse 7, it says this, uh, and, and we see really he brings purpose in view of past successes or failures. Verse 7, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Sometimes we, we look at um, the purpose of life and we, we hold on to past successes or even foolishly hang on to past failures, failures, uh, You you know, you you introduce people and uh, you introduce yourself, you shake their hands and you say, "Uh, I failed at this 20 years ago. You're like, glad to know (laughs) you. You know, stole a thing of candy when I was five. What does that have to do with today? At the same time, at the same time, many times we introduce ourselves and you say, you know, I was the homecoming king. People go, great. I wouldn't have guessed it. <laughs> you know? Uh, we hold on to successes. We hold on to failures. And Paul says this, no, there's, there's purpose in both those things. But the, the focus is not, uh, it's in view of the things that are to come. And, in fact, he moves on in uh, verse 14 and says this, I press on toward the goal for the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Lastly, uh, number four, Jesus brings help for today as we wait for eternity. We struggle. We struggle in this life. We don't like to talk about it, um, or we, we don't like to talk about solutions, but we struggle in this life. Um. He calls us to a different life, a one that's not based upon the struggles of sin that we're, we were about. Now it's focusing on Him. Uh, go over to chapter 1 again, sorry. Um, he gives us a different manner of life. And I want to tell you this, if you're struggling to know what it is to be a Christian, uh, it, it's to give your life, it's to give what, what, the mess of your life, the good, the bad, just, just bring it to Him. And say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Would you take my life? Would you take my life? Would, would you be the one to now be my Lord and Savior, the one to save me? And would you fix my life? And it, I, I know it's got to be different, and it will be different. It will not be the same. Uh, as you look in verse 27, chapter 1, he says, uh, "...only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ." The picture there is this, that now your life is not just part of your family name. It's not part of the city or the way you grew up. Now your life is connected to Jesus Christ, the gospel, a a gracious life, not based on works and you you doing great and you being triumphant, but that you uh, being the one that is humble before the Lord, needing him every minute of the day. I want to tell you that um one of the big uh really the big one of the big themes as it comes to this new life that this help for today is the your mind what you think about we look over at chapter 2 um chapter 2 as as he's talked about this idea of being partners and putting others first sacrifice The the idea of humble service, uh, of thinking lowly of yourself, not highly, but lowly. The help for today, the help for today is not you thinking better of yourself, not you uh, getting more plaques and uh, looking in the mirror more often uh, and spotlighting your greatness. It's to follow after Christ and have the same mind of Christ. What is that? That he humbled himself didn't grab for the things that were his our thoughts are the mind of Christ uh, if you uh, go on to chapter three you see again uh, a mind shift Our <coughs> mind shift in, in verse 20 it says this but our citizenship is in heaven and 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 But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. One of the helpful things for today is to remember our citizenship. It's a thing of the mind. It's the idea that we don't belong here. This isn't our permanent residence. Just passing through, right? As we look to the book of um, 1 Peter, he's going to talk about being a stranger, being floating through, being a uh, you know sojourner, someone who's just making it, just passing through. That's helpful for us in our mind to remember uh, that this isn't all there is, uh, that we have something better waiting for us. As we um, skip over to chapter 4, we realize that he changes our mind uh, for us not to worry, but to pray. This is a tough one, isn't it? That he changes our mind not to be anxious, but to pray. But that's helpful for you. That's helpful for you today. Today. You know, I I was teasing the kids, and then I was teasing you, right? About laying awake with crazy thoughts. You know, I I know that's true. I'm positive that's true for you. You know why? Because I struggle with that too. You know, sometimes I go to bed fine, and then I wake up, and then I got all kinds of crazy ideas. Uh, Things that I'm worried about, people that I'm concerned about, things in my own heart and wife and my, and my wife and how, how our family is and others and sometimes you guys and, and this idea that, that it's hard to put those to rest. God's word says this, it's help for you today. It's help for me today. Chapter four says this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say it, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone that the Lord is at hand. And he says, do not be anxious about anything, but at everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7, the peace of God. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He calls in our minds not to worry, to become anxious, but to pray. And then, verse 8, he says this. uh, He causes our mind to dwell on God's thoughts, things that are... uh, Uh, God approves of, God uh, desires for us, God's food for our mind, okay? Verse 8, verse 8 says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And what? And the God of peace will be with you. God of peace. This section that I, I just shared with you about uh, the mind, that Jesus brings help for us today. He brings a different manner of life, but he also brings a different mind. And, and what happens as we think the thoughts of God, as our mind has been transformed, what happens? The peace of God. The peace of God that's help for today. Sometimes um, we try to distinguish and say, well, it's great to be a Christian because of heaven, eternity with Christ. And it is. It is. We don't even understand how great that is. But what about today? What about today? Is it good today or is it good forever? And I want to tell you there's no wall between the two. There's no wall between the two. God gives us help today for the things that are going on today. And it'll be great forever, great forever. It'll improve, it'll improve uh, as we come uh, to leaving this life and to being with Him. I want to encourage you to continue to go back to the book of Philippians. Um, I remember uh, one of my kids asked me when they were very small, uh, in second, third grade, and they, they said, what should I read in the Bible? And I said, well, why don't you, why don't you think about the book of James? And they said, oh, I've already read that one. Like they'd completed reading. They'd never, they could rip it out of the Bible. i t- taken care of that one. I checked it off, you know. I'll, I tell you, uh, go back and go over and over and over and over. Because God's word is uh, a blessing for us and guide for us today. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word, uh, book of Philippians. Thank you for the blessing of these last months as we've been able to uh, do our study in there. And God, I ask that you would, <laughs> your Holy Spirit, that, that you would mark us with your word. That we would not uh, set it aside, but that these thoughts would come back to us. That we'd go over it and over it and over it. That our mind would be changed. That we would walk with you and that we would see the joy that comes uh, from being with you and doing life the way you called us to, treasuring your gospel um, as you changed us through. God, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.